Hi everyone, Gareth here. Just to let you know that if you'd like to support the production of the Music Room podcast, you can. Just head to musicroompodcast.uk slash support or click the link in the show notes. Okay, on with the show. Hi, I'm Gareth, a composer for TV and an audio producer for podcasts like this. Like many others, I was lucky enough to have a positive music education. I'm extremely grateful that all that support led me to what I do today. For me, the music room was that place growing up where all the musos gathered like moths to a flame, a place to be with other creative-minded people. So let's go back there and spend some time in gratitude for all the people who've helped us get started. Welcome to the music room. this week in the music room. The encouragement came from everyone uh, in terms of the staff. So mm. my, my drum teacher was very, very important in that, but you know, the head of music and the other staff, they really, really encouraged you to just have all the musical experiences that, that you could have. Good day to you all, and welcome to another episode of The Music Room, the show where I chat with composers, songwriters, and musicians about who and what inspired them in their formative years. In this episode, you're going to hear from composer Sagan Akinola, a previous BAFTA breakthrough Brit who spent the last few years writing the music for Doctor Who, documentaries like 9-11, Inside the President's War Room, Drama Stephen, about the Stephen Lawrence murder case, and more. I first met Sagan when he was a guest on a podcast I did with fellow composers Dan Watts, hi Dan, and Tristan Noon, hi Tristan, uh, about the journey of the orchestral score called Making a Soundtrack. Well worth a listen that, I'll put a link in the show notes. And hang around because Sagan will be leaving an item and a piece of advice in the music room for you to find. If you haven't heard the other episodes, there are loads to choose from, something for everyone. Just head to musicroompodcast.uk and take your pick. And if you like, while you're there, you can click on the link for the podcast app you use and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Clever that, and all for the grand price of... Free. Not a bean. You are welcome. Right, next up is Music Stories. Well, first up in the news is that there is now a Music Room newsletter which features news, stories and advice for composers, songwriters and musicians. The first issue is out already, so while you're having listened to this, take a look in the show notes. Go on, I'll wait. No, kidding. And you'll see the Read the Music Room newsletter and subscribe to the Music Room newsletter. Have a look and, of course, subscribe if you'd like that delivered to your email inbox every month. Second up, in the Music Room community group on Facebook, we've started an EP makers group. I know, a group within a group sounds more complicated than it is. A few of us have committed to each making and self-releasing an EP by December the 1st. Everyone's really supportive, and it's nice to keep each other going. We're having listening parties, we're talking through our ideas. In one case, someone is getting someone else to play on their tracks. And you know what? This is why I'm building the Music Room community. It's there to make connections, build confidence, to show people in the music industry that by lifting others up, we make ourselves stronger. I should have written some stirring music to go underneath that. But hey, come and join us if you're on Facebook. And if you're not, subscribe to the newsletter. It's all there for free and it's all there to help. Oh, and I have a music story from the Facebook group, actually. I've posted a clip from uh, Nanita Desai's episode about her first musical memories and asked the group about theirs. Janet Overfield says, 
I used to listen to this fab BBC Radio Schools programme called The Song Tree. I don't know if you've heard of that. When I was about three, it was a musician couple called Simon Mayer and Hilary James who did really decent music for children interspersed with sketches and chat. The songs really stuck in your head and taught rhythm and melody excellently. I looked them up when I had my own kids and was chuffed to find that they were still going strong. Way to go. Well done, Simon and Hilary. Brilliant. And thank you very much, Janet. Sagan Akinola is a composer for film and television and BAFTA Breakthrough Brit who has strengthened many projects with his musical acumen. He's most known for his music in the last three series of Doctor Who, starring the first female Doctor, Jodie Whittaker, and Sagan's work is a key immersive tool for showrunner Chris Chibnall and series directors to establish the many adventures the Doctor and her friends travel on. These include the impressive 80s-influenced electronic score for the Saranga Conundrum to the heart-wrenching demons of the Punjab, which utilise specialist Indian musicians and orchestra, all recorded at Abbey Road Studios. He also scored the critically acclaimed Doctor Who VR experience, Doctor Who The Runaway. Plus, I'm awarding Sagan with the Music Room Patience of a Saint Award after the technical difficulties I suffered during the recording of our chat. Everything that could go wrong went wrong, so you might notice a slight change in the voice levels along the way. OK, here we go. Sagan Akinola, welcome to the Music Room. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Firstly, and most importantly, congratulations on becoming a dad. Seven or eight months in. Yeah. How, how's life changed for you? Uh, it, it's obviously completely different. I mean, everything changes in an instant, particularly when you go from not having any kids to then having your, your first child. Um, everything about about life is different. But it's so much richer, and that's the thing that's, that's um, really exciting, is it's just, it is the best thing ever and I know lots and lots of parents say this and actually what's really been really lovely is hearing lots of dads talk about it being the best thing ever and they just they love being a dad and and, and so do I it's obviously everyone has some funny stories <laughs> to go along with it um but that's part of the joy and you know no matter what happens during the day seeing your little one squeal with excitement about something just oh, something better so yeah nice. it's great and when you you were a guest on making a soundtrack um uh, Three years ago seems was it that odd long? to say that. Yeah, <laughs> but you talked about the importance of family time then and, and striking that balance. And so I imagine it's even more important now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it really is, and and it's just something that you have to be very intentional about. And um, but I found that that's not really a problem. Like m most of the people have families and partners and that kind of thing, and yeah. want to actually see their families and partners and kind of leaving a meeting to go and do the school run. So I found that actually um, everyone's really in the same boat or similar boats and they're very understanding of the desire to try and make sure that um, it's not a case of eat, sleep and work yeah. constantly uh, yeah. and that, that there is family time. Yeah, there'll be crunch periods, that's fine. But as much as possible, particularly when things aren't crazy, um, yeah, just have to be intentional about it. But I found... Everyone's really supportive, which is great. Yeah, that's brilliant. So um, I'm scoring at the moment a, a similarly loved national treasure, I'd say, which is an adaptation of Wind of the Willows. Um, oh, amazing. And I'm assuming that, you know, when I started that, I felt this kind of weight of responsibility, I suppose. And I'm assuming that you felt that going into Doctor Who to get it right uh, so let's talk about your feelings. How did you feel when you 
got the gig yeah. uh, those years ago. And yeah. what's your feeling? What was your feeling getting into it? Well, we're getting the gig. It was just, it was pure excitement. It all happened. It was all quite unexpected for me in the sense that I didn't know anything was happening. And then I had a phone call and it was quite a quick turnaround between the first phone call and then getting the gig as well, which is quite unusual because things normally take a little bit more time. So in that sense, it was just pure excitement um, <laughs> and <laughs> really a lot of disbelief. It was quite weird kind of like going through because i got the call on the friday it's quite weird going through that weekend and just thinking I, I literally can't believe what's just happened and that was really great and everyone was really supportive but there definitely came a moment which is probably shortly before i was actually due to start doing something on the show whereby the weight of um history landed yeah like a ton of bricks <laughs> that was quite terrifying but that's something i was really impressed with with you you know it would be so easy to to try and emulate what came before um but you certainly did that with the theme tune you you kind of brought it back to this you know really classic theme but it seemed with the the episodic score you just put everything aside and went right what would sagan do <laughs> i was really impressed with that it's really it was really refreshing to just hear a different take. Yeah. I mean, I, I was always going to try and approach it how I would approach something. But uh, the really key thing is that you have to have support if you do that kind of thing. You have to have people who are willing and open. And very much I had people who are willing and open. And in fact, that was a really central part of my remit. It wasn't that my remit was, well, you need to go, you need to make it this and that or anything. It was go and do what you would do. And don't worry about anything else at all, which is very exciting, but also even more terrifying because then there's that weight of responsibility. Of, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so actually it can be different. And now, you know, I've got an opportunity to do something. I've got to try and do something that, yeah. that will really work and that will really respect this kind of creative freedom, but also which won't feel alienating either. Uh, and in that respect, I think what helped is that a lot of other things were changing on the show as well. So there was there was this sense of change anyway. So it kind of made certain aspects of how the music was changing, I think, easier to digest because you were also changing a lot of the visuals and the um, and the cast as well. So yeah, it was it was one one big change. So although I'm sure you'll never leave it far behind, what does the post doctor world look like and you know what are you looking forward to yeah post doctor world has been great because it's been a few months now since i've finished i've had a few you know other bits to do like do the album finish the album that kind of thing but post doctor who world is great i mean i, I moved straight on to another series i mean literally immediately onto another series which is a documentary series about basketball africa league which is basically basically the, the nba went and set up a league in Africa. It's the first time that the NBA have set up a league anywhere outside of the US. And so it's a series that follows that basically follows the first season of that. So I moved straight on to doing that, which was great because it's just, it's very different. It's not the same as uh, any of the stuff that I'm, that I had been doing in Doctor Who, um, different world musically completely yeah. and, you know, very different team behind it as well so that was great and at the moment what I'm really enjoying is actually I'm writing 
a piece which is not to do with film or TV at all, which is not to say that I don't love film and TV. I do, but I've always really placed a lot of value in still doing concert works and that kind of thing. So having the opportunity to do something now, which will end up being played on radio, it's just great. It's just very oh, different. It's fabulous. very, you know, I've got my pencil and my, my manuscript paper out. I'm kind of sitting at the piano and doing stuff and I just, I just love it. So yeah, that's really great. So it's just, it's different. And there's definitely, there is more film and TV stuff coming very soon, but yeah. it's nice to have just the period of things being slightly different and slightly slower paced as well. Yeah. Yeah. You do strike me as someone who likes variety. Um, yes. You know, even in, you know, when you were mentioning on that episode, which I'll put the link in the show notes because it's worth listening to. Uh, you talked about listening to other music while you work. Well, not literally while you work, but yeah. uh, at, <laughs> at the time. And just trying to take in all, you know, different genres and influences. And it seems that way in your work as well, you know. While you are known for Doctor Who in the last few years, you're also known for other dramas, Stephen, about the Stephen Lawrence murder case, documentaries, the 9-11 documentary. So that variety doesn't just span your kind of wanted influence from other genres. It, it spans different genres of scoring and things like that, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's actually, it's quite interesting that you make that link because it, it definitely is there. I really do listen to and enjoy lots of different music and I enjoy watching lots of different stuff and I enjoy working on different things as well. And it's one of the things that I love about this. Um, I never know what to call it job line, line of work <laughs> yeah vacation probably, yeah. I, I really don't know but this weird blend of all of those things. i think it's probably all of them isn't it yes yeah all rolled into one there, there probably needs to be a new word for some yeah. kind of creative uh vocation i don't know endeavor journey endeavor, yeah. something that just pulls it all together yeah. um it's one of the things i love about it that there's know, one thing you work on and it's uh I don't know, maybe it's ambient electronic stuff. And then mm. another thing is orchestral. Maybe it's the two things at the same time. I love that. I really do. And it's one of the things that I love about the kind of composers that I like and the kind of composer that I try to be. Um, it's also, as I say, very much in the kind of things that I like to watch. They're all very different. I like variety. Um, and I think yeah. the challenge is trying to, in terms of, my own work and again the work of others that I very much admire and respect is trying to still have a nucleus where it sounds like you which I think mm. is very very difficult but it's something that I really really try and do and and again in the work of others that I admire I see that they do even though it spans lots of different stuff it still sounds like them and it's very difficult and I think it, it takes a lot of work but it's very worth it yeah that's fantastic. So, Sagan, if you are ready, should we go back in time? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Quite like a good adventure in time. Uh, ah, yes, of course. We should really. I mean, I've usually got a harp glissando that's like a doodle-a-doo, but maybe we should have a TARDIS this time. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yes, let's do that. Okay, here we go. Could be appropriate. <laughs> okay, here we are, back in time. So in that Making a Soundtrack episode you guested on a couple of years ago, you mentioned that you had aspirations of being music producer when you were young. But let's go further back, though. What was your first experience of music that you can remember? 
Well, I think the earliest thing that I can remember is when my dad came home with a keyboard and said, do you want to learn the piano? Probably because it's just stuck with me because it was really the beginning of everything. Because I, I assume, but have never actually asked if before that point I'd shown any kind of inclination towards music. Again, I assume that I had because there was always music in and around the house and in the car and that kind of thing. So I yeah, must have done something that made them think that I would be interested, but I've never asked about it. So, and I was quite young at the time. I think I was about five. So that's the earliest thing that I can, memory that I specifically have about music. That's really the beginning, isn't it? Beginning of uh, what you mentioned, the journey to you becoming who you are today. So you had piano lessons is that what happened next yeah yeah so then i then i had piano lessons and i i I don't know if i just now i remember slightly more things from that point onwards but um yeah i had piano lessons all the way up until i then went and did my undergrad um from that point onwards and then yeah music definitely became a significant part of everything really yeah so then the thing that's interesting for me is that Although piano was my first instrument, it's never been the instrument that I've considered to be my instrument, as it were. Did you mention drums in a bio? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, I've always considered the drums to be my instrument. You know, the the instrument that I just, um, I don't know, it feels like another part of me in that sense. And it's a very strong influence for me with church because I was growing up and going to church and kind of seeing drums being played every week. And I just, I can't tell you what it is, but I just absolutely loved them i really did and um for some reason what was quite nice is that at the end of the service they'd let youngsters go up and play the drums i don't know why they did this because it wasn't an electric kit it was acoustic and obviously right in a church kids bashing away it's quite loud yeah Um, but thank you for everyone who suffered through that (laughs) (laughs) definitely definitely fed fed my love and so I just I really wanted to learn the drums and and basically when I got to I was in primary school again I'm not sure why but there was some opportunity to start having Mm. some snare drum lessons and so I went along and had some snare drum lessons and I absolutely loved them of course and then I kind of carried on with them and at some point the and I'm not sure why he did this, but the teacher actually brought in just like a kick drum snare and um, hi-hats, and we learned some basic patterns. Um, and again, I'm not sure why he did this, because it was meant to be a snare drum lesson, but thank you very much. Mm. For the teacher who I can't remember your name, uh, because it was really, really influential for me to finally get a chance on drums and to actually learn a little bit. And again, I just, I just really, really loved it. So... I basically kept going with the drums and the piano um, from that point onwards, kind of teaching myself drums for a few years and then getting lessons once I got to secondary school. Yeah, another music room guest, Kevin Sargent, did the same thing, learned the drums in primary school. And he said, you know, there was to have all the rudiments drummed into them, so to speak. And he said, looking back, actually, it was a really useful thing to do because he still relies on those things today you know wow uh, so yeah. yeah yeah nothing's ever wasted absolutely it really isn't i think especially when it comes to young people in music education nothing's wasted whether they go on and do music or not so quite a- yes it teaches you other things other than the music doesn't it absolutely yeah i'm a yeah, yeah i'm a really big proponent of good music education for everyone yeah so, yeah, um, yeah very much so did you have 
you know, when you looked at the drums, did you have aspirations of being in, in a band and stuff like that? And did it happen? Obviously, in the school, <laughs> I was in a band. <laughs> Yay! That definitely happened. Um, Where was there a name to the band? I'm trying to remember because I think that there are a few iterations, you see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think one was definitely something like, oh, I can't remember. Was it something inspired by like the band with no name or something? Because I can't, I can't <laughs> remember what it was. Um it will come back to me at some point, but uh, yeah, obviously I was definitely in a in a band with friends, and did a I did a lot of school music activities as well in terms of playing in. Speaking of finding how much of a music nerd I was, um, <laughs> orchestra and percussion group and big band, and, yeah, and, and putting my band. hand up, yeah, I was there, more band, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like I pretty much lived in the music department. Let's put it that way, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of playing but you know that really influenced me and the thing that's interesting is that it, it influenced pretty much everything that i think about mm. writing music and the kind of the kind of composer that i aspire to be because i just did so much stuff that was different and and my music mm. department were really really encouraging there it wasn't just mm. you know, go and play an orchestra it was like no no come and play in big band as well and come and play in the small band and yeah, do the percussion group and do the wind and brass band. And we also had musicals every year. And so once I got to a certain age and, and level, I was then kind of playing in the school production of Jesus Christ Superstar and all sorts of stuff. Right. Um, and so it was just really, it was very varied. And mm. in the midst of that, my my drum teacher was really, really influential because he his dad was a session player. Um quite a successful session player and so the way that I was kind of taught was very much around this mold of being a session player and this idea of being able to walk into a room sit down see a chart and play and not being flummoxed whether it was something that was much more jazz based or something that was you know in an orchestral setting or something you know didn't matter what it was you could walk in you could sit down and you could play and so we spent quite a bit of time, particularly after I'd done, because I did grades and that kind of thing. So after my grade eight, we we spent a bit of time just playing around with other things, you know, trying to get better at Latin rhythms and all sorts of things. But before that, the significant thing for me was um, I, I made some kind of comment about a genre of music, as you do when you're young. <laughs> and... Um, he was not having any of it, not at all. And it was very, very significant for me because he basically said, you should be listening to everything and learning uh, about everything. And this is your drum, your drum teacher. It was my drum teacher, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. That was a pivotal moment for me because Fine. it completely changed my view on how I listen to music and what I should be listening to, which was vital because... I learned to try and appreciate and learn something about all the music I was listening to. Even if I didn't like it, then maybe there's something I could learn about that. And that made my musical horizon very, very wide because I was listening to all sorts of stuff. And that then influenced me later on when I got to you know, actually figuring out that, oh, I want to write music because I was influenced by so many different things. And that stayed the entire way. Yeah. So, yeah, he was a really, really important part of my musical journey. 
You mentioned encouragement in the music department. Was it mainly your drum teacher? Were there other teachers or peers or, you know, people who, for me, it's the sense of community in a, in yeah. a music department. Yeah. Uh, was that the same for you? Yeah, absolutely. Because the encouragement came from everyone uh, in terms of the staff. So mm. my, my drum teacher was very, very important in that. But you know, the head of music and the other staff, they really, really encouraged you to just have all the musical experiences that, that you could have. And as I say, that was so, so important for me in everything that I do now. Yeah. Um, and even things like I remember that we we learned about um, Indian ragas as part of what, uh, syllabus. The syllabus. There we go. And I remember that there, you know, there's we just we went to a concert. I can't remember who was playing, but someone was playing sitar with some other stuff, and they organised for us to go to a concert. And like sitting there, I still remember it to this day. <laughs> just that feeling of being in a in a completely different musical experience because it wasn't Western classical at all. It was. Well, it was Indian classical music, which works in a different way. But we were able to learn about it and, and appreciate it mm. and also experience going and hearing some of it live, which, is, as I say, has had a big impact on me and gives me an appreciation of Indian classical music to this day as well. Yeah, so you mentioned a session uh, last time about there was an Indian vocalist singer uh, for yeah. one of your Doctor Who sessions. He was... Um, the, yeah, I mean, that's probably... Probably going to be the best uh, recording session I ever have <laughs> in life. That's interesting. That's three years on. You're still session. saying that. Oh like, yeah, there's nothing in there. that. No. Nothing to top. <laughs> and for everyone else who was there in the room, it's the same thing every single time. Like that was. It was just unbelievable because we just knew we were witnessing someone who whose musical ability was just so far beyond anything that we could have anticipated or hoped for um and it was just yeah it was just an amazing talented hard-working musician um yeah. and absolutely everything he did blew us away fantastic <laughs> so hard for me to actually <laughs> get it. I just felt like how can i cut any of this out but he's given me three different and amazing versions and oh put it together so yeah, that was um, yeah, very special experience. Fantastic. You mentioned the word undergrad. Yeah. Are you following a path with music to higher education? Yeah, absolutely. So I studied composition at Birmingham Conservatoire. And part of that links into the whole wanting to be a record producer thing because the producers that I was really interested in were arranger producers. So they didn't their background wasn't as an engineer and then going and becoming a producer. And that was really significant and important because that's the that's the kind of producer that I wanted to be. So by this point, I was very much into the whole film scoring thing, but I was toying with the idea of doing both. And I very much looked up to Quincy Jones, who had done both. So I, I felt like, well, it's clearly possible. And so I thought, you know, I'll go and do this um, degree because I really wanted to understand music. That was the thing. I wanted to understand music and know that I could move around musically, work with a lot of different musicians, different lineups, and just know what, what I'm doing, yeah. basically. Yeah. But during my time on the course, I then actually ended up swinging far more towards the side of scoring and just eventually leaving the production thing behind. So, yeah, that's why I've kind of focused on it. Yeah. Then. And then you go from that to becoming a BAFTA breakthrough Brit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, 
what's that little period of time where you go from, oh, I'm doing composition course to, wow. Yeah, what happened? I think one of the things that happened is that I had some incredible friends on the course who wanted to do uh, work within whether you want to say screen or media as well. And so we became really close friends and we were always, I mean, I always say that I learned as much from them across the four years that I was doing the course mm. as I did from you know, my composition tutor, because we all would learn something and share it with each other. And we were coming from slightly different places and different experiences. And so we really, we really, really learned a lot from each other. Um, and it was a really special very, very special friendship. And so I think that was really significant. And I was also just trying to get better, trying to learn as much as I could. And at some stage, I was also trying to push on and start working with people and start getting paid work as well, like little things. Um, there was a moment for me where one of my tutors said, this could be out on a production right now. And that was maybe mm. about my third year and so that was a moment for me to say, okay, well, if it could be, then I should start trying to do something. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not anticipating that I'm going to do something that's going to be on TV tomorrow. Although one of my friends did, and it was amazing. Wow. Um, but there was just a feeling of, well, well, you know, this tutor feels like this is of a particular level. So what I've mm -hmm. got to do is keep pushing at that level and start trying to go out and meet people, even online, uh, because as we know this is an industry that's very much about collaboration and so you have to work with people and if they don't know that you're around and available then you can't work with them oh no do you know what? i've missed one quite <laughs> i've missed one part of this story okay. <laughs> i actually i actually did my first paid thing in my first year at uh at the conservatoire where i did um like a small it was actually a small like travel series um like an australian wow. travel series so Sorry, I completely forgot about that. That was <laughs> important because I did something, I was paid for it. Uh, I used every single penny from that to then invest in learning more. I, you know, I did a course and I think I bought some stuff or a computer yeah. or something. So I just invested it all in. But that's hugely significant, isn't it? To, you know, yeah. the confidence of a young composer to go, wow, I've been paid for some composing work. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, yeah also missed <laughs> that sorry because i forgot that i i missed out the oscar and <laughs> i wish um i did some work experience with a composer and with a producer um when i was i don't know 16 or something and then with the composer i then went to work for him the next summer so i spent this i think it was the summer before i went to do my undergrad I spent working for him right I just learned so much you know he was in the middle of a tv series I was sat there soaking it all up and doing what was I doing like doing some I don't know some like prep work for him or something I was doing some yeah so assisting tests yeah yeah and he was fantastic because he really just tried to help me learn and grow and the reason why I think that was quite a vital part of the story is because I learned about the realities of the industry quite early. So there wasn't really a sense of not understanding that mm. it's a difficult industry and you can't learn everything going to study for it. And I'm not going to do a course and then walk out and say, look, I'm a qualified composer. Here is my certificate. Yeah. Hire me for your next TV series. There was none of that because of the experience of having someone who 
was a, a mentor to me who I learned from. And I, I do think that he taught me a number of things which I then relied on in later years. So that was really important as well. Yeah. Okay. So I'm asking each guest to leave an item and a piece of advice for others to find in the music room. What would you like to leave? Uh, let's start with your item. I would like to leave some oak drumsticks. Okay. I love this because I never know quite what's coming up ahead of time. <laughs> I'm always surprised and delighted. Uh, of course, drumsticks. Yeah. You're a drummer. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and the thing that I did is I always, I from a certain point, I always pay, played with oak. So a lot of drumsticks are hickory. Yeah. Right. Okay. Again, this is where the... the Drumming nerd comes back. A lot of drumsticks are hickory, um, but I kept breaking my sticks. And so my drum teacher was like, "Why don't you try oak sticks? They're basically they last longer, but they're also a bit heavier, they're a bit denser, so a bit more dense. So actually, it does impact how you play because the sticks are slightly heavier. Um, mm. It's easier to play slightly louder. But I just loved these drumsticks. I really did, and so they're kind of my. Uh, little important memory of you know playing drums and and the reason why they're important is because in the end I, I did things like my school would do uh like a, a performance of a film score with the orchestra and wow by the time when i was slightly older because even in school you kind of go through the whole uh first position second position thing so yeah. when i started out i was like you know, the third percussionist <laughs> but for my last couple of years i was like you know I was in a in the first position, as it were. So whenever there was something where it was like orchestra, but there's going to be some drums, which was quite rare, but happened with some film scores and things. Mm. Then I was playing drums, and there were some really really special moments because we did things like performed some excerpts from like Wicked and that kind of thing. And Fantastic. at the point at which I was really into scoring, I'd been into musicals for a long time, but I was just taking things in more, and I felt like. I wasn't in the middle, but it felt like I was in the middle whilst all these musicians were performing. And I was kind of hearing things and learning like, oh, there's like this thing going on over there somewhere in the orchestra. But then like there's this other rhythmic part happening here. And it was um, it was just a really lovely time where I was kind of learning and growing, but still part of music in a great school. And so, yeah, so that's why I'm leaving the... Oak. That is lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, and the first drumsticks to be left in the music room, I hasten to add. Uh, what advice would you like to give anyone who would like to do what you do? I think the best piece of advice that I can leave is to just say, there are so many different ways to do this and there's so many different ways to write music. And every way is legitimate. There isn't a right or a wrong way. There are better or worse ways to do certain things, sure. And you'll learn those over time. But anyone who wants to do this has a small piece of ability and has a big, big chunk of determination and willingness to work hard is going to be fine. Oh, that's the piece of advice I give. That's oh, that's like... You listen to your Uncle Sagan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Sagan Akinola, composer, thank you so much for joining me in the music room. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for having me. 